podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Uh, Before we jump in, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. I I think I've said, I I think I've gotten it down to about 18 seconds. I can take that thing down. It's unbelievable. We got the new one still playing with it. It's unbelievable. I love the little, the little um, clip on to your shirt that you can kind of run the machine from. It's awesome. My son loves that one. Um, Mention coach unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you're, if you're sick of zoom calls, if you're sick of, you know, diving everywhere and looking for what you need, our roadmap will help you become a better basketball coach. Um, there's lots of great resources out there, but a lot of them are run by people that are college coaches or do not, aren't in like, aren't teaching stats all day and then jump into the gym and have to deal with the everyday things. 24 seven that a high school coach or a youth coach has to deal with. So come over, let me help you become a better basketball coach, teachhoops.com. Let's head off to the podcast. Well, I want to do a transition defense or segment at some stage and really focus. So I'll pick from these drills, which always highlight our identity. So okay. it makes it easier for me. Quick sets. Um, this will, uh, you might like it if you haven't heard of it. We start our practice with quick sets, which basically means I'll come in and say, guys, we're going to do layups, and here's the two points of emphasis. Uh, you got to make a one-hand pass, or you got to finish with an inside-hand finish. And we're only going to do it for 90 seconds. And I'll step out, I'll let them go. So if they do it right for 90 seconds, we're done. However, if they mess up, all I'm doing is saying reset, and the clock resets. And I'm quiet. Reset, the clock resets. So we will go until they get it right for 90 seconds. And essentially what we're trying to do is get the guys – to focus at the very start of practice. If we can't get that simple part right, that you have to make a pass with a, you know, one hand or an outside hand, or you can't finish with your inside hand, or at least try, we're not saying make the finish. And if you can't focus at that stage, well, we're not gonna go halfway through the practice and then have problems saying you guys are not focused because we've right. done it at the start. Um, and the other thing is, after a couple of times, players will start holding each other accountable. So you don't have to. You don't have to do that. Um, what it will go back to go back to six. How do you do impact situations? Oh, is that something you talk about? Yeah, I'll have it here in uh, in in this point here. I don't know if you can see my mouse. Um, yeah. So if I'm doing a drill, I'll have it here, and I'll just have an I M P or whatever. So if it's an A, for example, I'll make sure that I tell one of the players, "Look, we're trying to focus on coordination here. Just keep an eye on your teammates. Okay. Give them some feedback." Okay. If it's psychological, I'll do that. So, um, okay. But it helps me stay on point. Okay. Progressions, regressions, really it's to make sure I have something. If it's too easy, I got to have something to go advance. If it's too hard, I got to have something to go lower. And I'll have this sometimes for individual players, especially if it's a individual stuff. Um, so maybe Mike can't do everything at the same level. So I'm going right. to have something for him. Teams, I'm going to have my teams kind of laid out here, my 3v3 teams, 4v4 teams, 5v5 teams. So then I'm ready to go yeah. and they know black, white, you know, I don't need to. I love like that. Said, I love that because and again, it's flow and pace. If you're stopping to match guys, I, yeah, I love that. I love having all my, for the entire practice, I have all my groups done. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, which just makes sense. You want to keep things moving. Um, 
post-practice thoughts. So at the end of practice, what I'll do is I'll take 15 minutes and I'll reflect on the practice, write down anything that I think is relevant. Um, Mike had a bad practice. Well, why did he have a bad practice? What can I do differently to facilitate that next time? This drill worked, that game didn't. Well, it's not only it did and it didn't. Why did it do it? Did I move too quickly? Did I explain things right? So I'll, I'll, I'll reflect on the practice. In my post-practice, I, um, that's my drive home. So, oh, okay. So here's how I do it. So for other coaches that are listening, here's how I do it is I turn off the music. I turn off – it's just me and the car and driving because then my, I, I kind of get all the clarity of the chaos of the day out. And I can reflect on that, you know, it's what, I don't know, 10 minute drive and I can just reflect on. And then when I pull into the driveway or the garage is when I pull my thing out then and I'll go, we need to do this. We need Because it, it's almost like the fog of battle too much right after practice for me. Okay. Um, I will jot stuff in that during, during practice, I'll jot stuff down too. Like, oh crud, we need to work on our, on our help side or our, our pack line or whatever it is. Yeah. So then I, when I look at the practice plan and I'm doing the next one, I'll do that. But I'll also, I, I like that. Like, it's almost a meditation thing for me. It's just something that people could think about, but it's, it's a, it's, I love the post. You got to think about it. Um, yeah. You can't wait a day cause it will go away unless you're going to go back. To I, I think, I think you got to do it. Um, yeah. The same day. Now, just a quick question for you. Your practices finishes about, 5 p.m. Yeah, it depends if we have early. It's like 5:30, or if we're late, it would be like 7:30. Um, okay. I tend uh, to do my practice planning, and I've asked tons of coaches. I tend to do my practice planning in the morning, um, uh-huh. the day of. So I'll wake up earlier and do it. Uh, yeah. And the reason I do that is um, I want to kind of leave. I, I'm done with practice. I want to leave it, and I yeah. know I'm thinking about it. Like I know I'm dreaming yeah. about it. I know I'm thinking about it subconsciously. I know yeah. there's the wheels are turning, even though I'm not like after this 10 minutes, not like sitting down and thinking about it gotcha. um, because then it's, the, it's like a brain dump the next morning for me, yeah. you know, a cup of coffee, silence in the house, poof, brain dump, you know? Um, so I got a question for you and I, and I wonder if you, you know, your European coaches have, have weighed in on this. One of the reasons why I do it straight after practice is, well, I guess most of the European clubs would finish practice at about 9 p.m., sometimes 10 p.m. <laughs> and all I want to do is get home and spend time with my kid or right. my wife. Right. So I don't want to, you know, so I wonder if, if from your guests, the European coaches, would they do it, you know, 15 minutes later? Would they do it straight after? I, I don't know if that's something. You've... Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put something in the, yeah. I'll put my email in the show notes. And if they want to email me, that'd be interesting yeah. to know. Um, that's uh, late. Holy cow. You guys, eat, yeah, cause, you guys do everything late in Europe anyway. You eat late. Well, one of the things is because uh, you've got like the basketball in the States is uh, a school or college. So, right. and, and we're more club based. So, kids got to finish school and college before they come. And that's right. a little bit different, I guess. It's, yeah, but it's not ideal. No. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll, and I'll get that. I'll, I'll get the form there too. I'm always looking for forms and that would be great. Maybe they can look at those drills. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, um, you know, this is tweets. You talked about flow. Well, I want to coach in tweets. I don't want to stop and explain things. However, at times I want to, I guess, get a player to come to the answer himself, uh, which means I can't give him the information. So generally I'll do it in the middle of a game. I'll take, I'll sub one player out and talk to them really quickly and try and tease out the answer. 
or I'll do it at the end during a review of feedback segment. But right. in the flow of the game, I want to coach in tweets. Let, let yeah, it's, uh, it's Snapchat. I love it. It's like little snippets. It's quick. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, empowering players. Uh, this is that, you know, we're building self-esteem. We're building confidence. We're building autonomy. So I'll let players, you know, choose a drill or game, depending on, you know, where they are. If I think they deserve that opportunity. I'll offer them opportunities to provide feedback, offer suggestions to improve. Like, this is something that they've really taken on last season because two years ago was my first season here and they thought I was crazy. Just to give you an idea, I've come from coaching Ireland, UK, States to Austria. Austria is made up of Serbians, Bosnians, Germans, Eastern Europeans, Croatians. And if I'm not Ezelko Obradovic, if I'm not yelling at these guys, they think I'm soft. They think, oh, well, coach doesn't know what he's doing. So my style of coaching has taken about a season and a half, two seasons for them to understand, wait, he's a different style of coach. Um, so a lot of this stuff has taken me a while to even get where we've had that same level of respect and they understand what I'm doing. Right. But last season, they started to offer suggestions without feeling like I was going to chew them out for offering feedback. Um, and we'll have them, you know, they can have an input on T-shirt design and stuff like that. Um, right. So that's kind of how we try and empower our players here. Um, managing success. So, yeah, Goldilocks, it's not too cold. It's not too hot. It's just right. That's got to be with our drills. Can't be too hard. Can't be too easy. Uh, we want to try and get them to about 60 75% success. If they keep failing all the time, they're going to get bored. They're going to quit. They're going to get frustrated. If they keep winning all the time, they're going to, you know, get bored again. So we try and manage it that way. Uh, reflection we just talked about. Um, this is just kind of how we try and get our coaches to develop self-awareness. Which um, is hard. It's harder for the coaches, I think, sometimes than the players. Yeah. I, I, think, journal, like I, said, I love journaling. I love journaling. I think that's great. It, it, it requires a lot of self-discipline, I think, for the coaches. And sometimes we're not that good at it. But journaling, that's, you know, it, it's a huge self-discipline. You got to be disciplined to do that. Um, and, and all of these, I think, can help you. Like you said, yours on the drive home where you almost kind of use that time. Well, I wonder how many coaches genuinely do that, especially in the early phases of their coaching career. Right. You know, and that's something that can really help. Um, I try and question everything I do. Like, why did I do it? How can I do it better? You know, uh, what can I do to change? So if I had an interaction with a player that did not go as planned, well, it's not his problem. It's my problem. Because right. I'm the one who I can change myself. I can't, and by changing myself, I might be able to impact him. Um, we try and do the same with our players. Last season, actually, we had all our players under 19 actually uh, write a match review after every game, and in that match review, they highlighted what went well, uh, what can we improve on, for themselves, for the team, and for the coach. And this is what I mean about um, I guess putting myself out there. It was very difficult at the start of the season for them to write, well, coach, you know, you need to manage the timeouts better. Or coach, you need to manage the substitution better. But towards the end of the season, where we're, you know, we're opening up a little bit more. And then they can tell me, coach, you didn't do a good job here, which allows me to get to know their thoughts. And we can have a conversation about that. And I can understand where they're coming from. They can understand where I'm coming from. So we're moving on together which stops them from backbiting in the locker rooms and saying, well, coach doesn't have a clue what he's doing, you know? Right. So, um, so that's kind of 
uh, also, you know, uh, it allows them to develop their critical thinking skills. So that's just self-awareness developing in coaches and players. Uh, enhancing performance. You mentioned this early on. You said something about pushing yourself to your to to um, the edge of your comfort zone. Well, in any racing engine, the nearer you are to disintegrating it, the better the performance will be. And that's Formula One, whatever. You you want to push yourself to the extreme. Right. Um, to the point to the point of breaking. Yes. Exactly. Um, and I'll look at it and I'll say for my players, well. The composure is one. So the engine temperature, I look at it, is that's the player's composure. They got to be at the ideal state. Um, a Russell Westbrook plays at about a 9 or a 10. He's all out. A Steph Curry, probably lower. I got to know for each of my players what their ideal performance state is. Um, and then if they're not there, then I need to know how to get them there. Um, the next, the tachometer for me is the motivation levels. The more motivated a player is, the harder he'll work. So I want to make sure that they're motivated to the point to the, where they're redlining it, but not over-motivated where they start going crazy on the court. Uh, then obviously looking at their confidence, how confident they are. The more confident they are, the better the performance will be. Unless they redline it, then it's overconfident, cocky, and that's a problem. And then the last thing is the fuel gauge, so body fuel. So as a coach, I'm looking at all these things when my players walk in the gym and saying, well, what can I do to change that? What can I do to keep it where it is? And how can I continue? to evaluate and that's not easy no it's not and and dealing with composure motivation levels confidence and and how their bodies are i mean that is that and those are and and sometimes what i what i always think is sometimes one level's going up and the other one's going down like it just like yeah. they had a crappy lunch but they're being really motivated today or you know yeah. it's like it's when you can get them all in balance that's the perfect yes i agree yes so uh, that's kind of what we look at in terms of enhancing performance. These are just some tips and kind of how we do it. Um, closing thoughts, we're just kind of, I guess, coming up to, I guess, the end. Um, when you permit habits, you promote them. When you allow behaviors, you encourage them. When you condone actions, you own them. And when you tolerate average, you deserve average. And that's something I've kind of mm -hmm. kept in, in the back of my mind with how we do things. And, um, it's not only basketball related, it's life related. So, No, I um, think that's great, Coach. So, so that's kind of my closing thought really yep. there. Perfect. Um, and I'll leave, the, I'll leave your contact stuff in there so they can get a hold of you. Cool. It looks like Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And you have like 85 digits on your phone number there. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I'm not used to that. I know it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's not like an area code, like 414 or, you know, 213 <laughs> or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. I'm never sure why they put the plus in front. Why do you put the plus in front of their phone numbers? That's a country code. So if, we're, if I was going to call the States, I got to put a plus one. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to get to the States. Uh, or, um, either, either a plus one or a zero, zero, one. So then I can get to the right country. Um, so the plus 43 is the country code. Yeah. So 43 is Austria and 353 is Ireland. Uh, so I got two numbers uh okay now see i learned something today that's awesome all right um okay uh all right so let's stop sharing the screen so i can see you um okay and all right perfect and then let's i have some i have some questions for you um so there we go um what is uh what is what is the easiest part about what you the move and what's been the hardest part about the move 
Because I mean, I'm sure um, there's lots of people in the states listening to this, and they're thinking, okay, that's a long ways from home, and that you know, it's like the the easiest part, I guess, is I enjoy doing what I do. Um, I'm really passionate, and the club over here has given me the freedom. They're not micromanaging me, which I think is huge. They're not trying to micromanage me. Yes, I've listened. I've talked to other club coaches. They micro so a lot of some of them micromanage. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's not a good situation uh, to be micromanaged at all. So, uh, so that's, they're very supportive of what I do. And I think especially me being Irish and them having, you know, them having a mindset of how they should do things and them letting me do that. Um, so that's been really easy. My wife really supportive of what I do. Um, I, I noticed that um, uh, frame behind you. We interrupt uh, this marriage for basketball season. My wife, your wife, the MVPs. I mean, we wouldn't no, be what we're doing so without them. And um, she's been really supportive of this. And uh, yeah, so that's been the easy part, I guess. Okay. What's the hard part? Um, hard part is, uh, you know, packing up and you don't have, as a coach, you're not sure of your safety security. Previous programs, it didn't work out. You're packing your bag. So my first season here, it was like, all right, let's not decorate the house because I don't know how long we're going to last here. Um, so obviously from my wife's perspective, it's like, well, I can't put, you know, frames up. I can't do this. And, you know, that's always in the back of your mind. Well, if we don't get the results, or if we don't get the success criteria ticked off, well, we might be moving soon. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's quite difficult. Um, not getting results early on. I mean, I didn't get results early on. Um, and at the back of my mind, I guess that was really tough for me until the management brought me in and said, you look like you're worried. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And they're like, we're not worried about wins. Just keep doing what you're doing, which was a huge load off on my shoulders. Cause, um, right. But that was difficult early on. And then de- dealing with a different culture. For me, it's like it's the first time I'm coaching in a place where they don't speak English as a first language. Um, so I'm learning what's the German. First, what's the first language? German. So if I'm coaching under 19s, well, we don't understand each other. Well, if I'm coaching under 11s, well, we're speaking two completely different languages. And so, yeah, the first two seasons were really tough. Um, I had an assistant coach and I'll tell him, all right, tell the guys to pass and cut, pass and cut. And he'll spend five minutes translating that. I'm like, pass and cut, you know, that's not five minutes. So really trying to get the coaches to understand my line of thinking, but communicating to them in a way that they get it, which is difficult because they don't speak English too. It's not only the kids who don't speak, the adults aren't really uh, English speakers. So that's been really difficult. Well, that's, um, that, that surprises me that, that, that they don't learn English. I mean, it seems like most of Europe speaks English. Not that they should. I'm just saying it seems like it's a universal language. Germans and Austrians, in my experience, are very proud, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Yep. They want to keep their heritage. They want to keep... Um, uh, their language, they, they, so I find it positive and I find it really frustrating and negative. I'll give you a quick story. Uh, I was driving in Germany uh, first season here and I got lost and well, you know, I got to stop and ask the cops to point me in the right direction. They would not speak English to me, but they could understand me. So they knew what I was saying, but they responded in German. I'm like, I'm totally lost here. Point me in the right direction. No. So it's, um, so that was, you know, I guess an eye-opener into the culture. Now, my wife is German, so she speaks German. So that obviously helps me out a little bit. But, um, yeah. Oh, God, that helps proud. a lot. That helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, she she um she reads all the letters and all the documents that comes in, and because everything's German. Um, but yeah, so it's it's it, it's the 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 proudness or the pridefulness is a good thing and a bad thing, and it depends how you look at it. I I know I, that's that's that I was gonna ask it. That was actually on my list. What um what's your biggest challenge as a coach? The weight that I put on my shoulder. The the I feel like I can be better. I feel like I'm not at my best. I feel like I can do more. That's always bugging me that I can, I can always do more. I can, I want, I guess, you know, as a coach, we want to do, we want to achieve what we know we can, but we right. want to do it now. But we understand it's a process and we need to be patient, but we know we can do it now if we just like did it. So I got to trust and I got to trust my assistant coaches to do something, which takes me about three seconds to do, which will take them two weeks to do. Right. But I know it's part of the process to get them there. So uh, it's a lot of pressure that I put on my own shoulders, nobody else. Um, that yeah, so that's the challenge that I got to be patient and I got to trust others and be a better leader for coaches more so do the, than players. Do the top people in the club speak English? Like when they when the when your bosses call you in, do they talk in English to you? My GM speaks in English. However, any meetings, group meetings with coaching staff or board members, it's all German. But my GM will speak to me in English and. Uh, during these meetings, he will translate, or he will try and translate um, in any breaks he gets. But yeah, the board members and you know when we have like uh, club meetings and stuff like that, they'll speak German. So do you pull out a phone and have a translator in your phone and then plug it in your ear? My my very first meeting here, I got here. Uh, we had fifty seven guys in the meeting, and they introduced me and they wanted me to talk, and they didn't speak English. And I was like, with my Google Translate, I'm like. You know, trying to trying to get all the information in, which was yeah. So I I did that last season. Uh, this season, well, the second season, I've become so much better at my German. So I don't need to. I just ask them to speak slowly, and I can understand more. So, but okay. my first season, yeah, I was. So you need to take Rietta Stone or something. You need to you need a crash course <laughs> in German. <laughs> I did. I went I went to school my first season. I went to um, I actually enrolled myself into school and did like a, a German course uh, because trying to learn from home and going into school and learning is two different things. So, um, but that was a good decision that I went into school to learn German. Right. Because and, there's you know, dialects too. I'm guessing there's speed, there's dialects, there's all, yeah. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what's the hardest thing to teach? What's the hardest skill? What's the hardest thing as a coach to teach? That's really cool. I never, I, I haven't thought of that. What's the hardest skill to teach? I wouldn't say technical, tactical. I feel like uh, that's, I feel like the desire to learn, uh, I'd probably put, you know, I'd put learning as a skill and, and well, the I desire so. to learn. That growth mindset yeah. is hard to teach. That, that yeah. grit is hard to teach. I agree. Um, yeah. So that would be it. Screening, is, you know, reading a screen is hard to teach too, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's footwork. I think footwork, and it's better probably, and maybe it's better in the Euro Europe than it is here, but footwork is something that isn't really taught in the States like it should be. So just, here's a question for you, if you don't mind, is yeah. it hard to teach or is it just not taught? No, I think it's, I think it's hard. I think it's like, I think it's hard to teach. I think the, the minuscule parts of footwork uh -huh. is, is a hard kind. I mean, it's much harder. First of all, I don't think they correlate the advantage of it. So it's harder to, for them to connect with you when you're teaching it. Um, uh -huh. It's unlike me. If I take a kid into the gym and teach him, how to tweak their jump shot. They're all in because they want to be in um, even okay. rebounding, something like that. I think there, there's more buy-in. 
So I think the okay. footwork and that stuff, there isn't the buy-in. So you're starting at a disadvantage even before you start. And I then there is so much minute things. If you've ever watched like some of the Steph Curry, I mean, to get footwork and to get reads down is a higher level. It's like it's like being a PhD rather than having a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. You know, I got you. It's a higher level thing, and I just, I mean, I don't have time to teach it at a high school level. I, I mean, I don't see them enough to be able to do all that minuscule stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I just think it's in in a good footwork. You're not thinking about. Like you're yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You're, it, it, it's it's an automatic, and at the younger levels is when it's got to start, and it's definitely not being taught in the states. Yeah. I can tell you that. Uh, well, what's one thing you've learned in the last week? Oh, one. Um, I'm doing. I'm reading a book actually. Um, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. Okay. So, what I've learned is more mirroring and labeling in terms of communicating, being a better communicator. I have no idea what's going on today. I it's awesome. I love, seriously, I'm not, I don't edit this out. I love that. Like people, people are going, oh, this guy lives in Sacramento. Well, no, he doesn't. So there's my, there's my proof that he doesn't <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I've read that book by Chris Voss and I, I, he's a former FBI negotiator. So it's really, I guess that communication, I'm always getting better at communicating and it's so he highlighted or reminded me through that book that uh, 93% of our communication is nonverbal. So especially these, in this time when we're communicating by text and email, well, how do I do a better job of communicating it? Because a lot of things can be lost in translation. If 93% of our communication is nonverbal, well, how can I communicate better through WhatsApp, through email? So that's something that I guess I'm learning more and more on. Um, it's, Trying to also encourage my fellow coaches to to learn to learn and adapt with that. Okay. Do you have any superstition? Okay. None. That was that was quick. I can no. I okay. got none. I, and I always I always give this spiel. I'm I'm a little superstitious, but superstition for me is about routine. Not I don't wear the lucky socks. We're gonna lose. It's more. Oh, about, okay. So. So that's so, where superstitions come from. Me when I was a player, I had to put my left yeah. shoe on before my right shoe. It was okay. just because that was what I did before every game. It wasn't like if I put my right shoe on first, we we're going to lose. It was more me getting oh, okay. the mindset. That's where superstitions come from. Me. Oh, okay. Everyone thinks like, you know, now I ate 23 Big Macs in a row because we hadn't lost the game one season because I did uh -huh. it once and I kept doing it. And it wasn't <laughs> like, you know, we didn't lose because I did, I did. I mean, I kept eating it like whatever but it's like it was more like that's my routine i'm getting ready to game i'm getting ready to coach i'm putting my i wear a tie to every game or i don't wear a tie anymore i wear like um a, a suit jacket i'm dressed up nice but i don't wear the tie anymore because i've always found it too constraining to coach in um yeah i got i got some I routines but i mean i got some routines uh but I, I it's not that if i don't do it i feel like the world is ending i guess and that was a right. misunderstanding yeah but one of the things is i gotta have at least two cups of coffee before Get ready. Um, I've never then, heard that one before. Holy cow. And then straight after the cups of coffee, I want at least 10 minutes to meditate. So what I'll do is I'll go into the stands opposite from my bench. I'll watch my team warm up and I'll get my headphones in and I'll just try. And I, I don't know if it makes sense that I'm trying to calm down just after I've had coffee, but that's what I do. Okay. 
I, I, it seems counterintuitive <laughs> to have the coffee and the meditation, whatever. Uh, yeah. if, if you could change one thing about the game, what would you change? I would not let the referees touch the ball after he goes out of bounds. It would speed up the game. I would, do, I would do two things. I would get rid of the jump ball, like the, to start the basket. The, the, we have, we, the throw the ball up at the beginning of the game seems silly to me. How would you start it? I would give it to the visiting team everywhere in the world. And then you go alternating possession, period. I mean, why do we throw the ball up? Now, I understand the NBA actually does jump balls, but most people don't do jump balls anymore. Yeah. So yeah, why, are we, why are we throwing the ball up to start the game? Why don't we just let – it's not like soccer where you kind of have to do it or hockey. It's like yeah. it makes no sense. There, th- why? Like I understand I never, why it was in the game, but why do we do it now? That's my – I'm telling you, I'm going to start a petition. I should do that on change it. Why do we have the jump ball to be a name of a basketball game? Like, yeah, I never thought of that. And the officials are horrible at throwing it because they're not practicing. Like, when I grew up, everything was a jump ball, and they were good at throwing it because they had, like, 10, uh-huh. 50, 20 jump balls during a game. So they were good at timing it and figuring it out. They're horrible at throwing that ball up at the start of the game. Horrible. It makes sense. I'd like to see that, actually, now that you mention it. Yep, so that's going to yeah. be – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy that gets that change. That's going to be my goal in life. I'm going to do a okay. podcast just on that. I would do that, and I would have a governing body – that would decide what's going to happen everywhere as far as basketball. Now we're not going to be everywhere, 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 like one governing body. And this is the way we're going to play the game. Not that we're going to have the European rules, not that we're going to have the NBA rules, not that we're going to have the college rules, not that we're going to have like, we're going to have one governing body. Here's how you play it. Well, I'm going to correct you on that simply because I'm European. We don't have European rules. We've got international rules you have international. and the States and the States. You're right. You're right. So you guys, <laughs> you're right. We're the ones that have changed. I, I would, I would 100%. NBA, high school, different three-point lines. Yeah, I would 100% agree. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to do my rapid fire. All right. We're going to, this is, this is what we do. Come here. You can sit with me and we can finish the podcast. Yep. No, this is my nephew and he just got on. So say hi. I'm all right. Mitchell. So here we're going to do rapid fire. All right. So what's your favorite brand of basketball? It's like Spalding. type of basketball you play with. Uh, Spalding. Yeah. So these are just quick questions. I ask quick questions. That's how we end. Okay. Uh, one word to describe your ideal player. Uh, aggressive. One sporting event you can go to in the world. What would it be and why? Uh, EuroLeague final. Just to experience the atmosphere. I've never been there. I've seen it and it's a phenomenal. I've seen it on TV. It's phenomenal. Okay. Uh, favorite pregame meal. Ooh. Pasta. Uh, one skill not being taught in today's game. Can I, one skill that's being taught that I don't like is triple threat. So uh, I'd say the drop, the split stance should be taught instead of triple threat. So maybe split stance. Okay. Uh, one thing you do to relax. Uh, meditate, read books. Let's do things. Um, one coaching technique you consider important. Oh, can you define a coaching technique? I mean, anything you do yeah. as a coach. There we go. I'll define it. Anything you do as a coach. <laughs> Cause it can be mental. Like it, it can, and yeah, I got it. Connect with my players more. Um, Coach-athlete relationships. Okay. That's why I don't like answering that because I want – he can be anything. Um, okay. Best basketball player of all time. Kobe Bryant. Oh, okay. So you are – so uh, this is episode – you're going to be like episode almost 700. I think maybe Kobe's gotten one vote. 
Michael's gotten like 97%. So you're in the minority. That's, that's fine. I'm just, that's why I paused a little bit. You put him at a LeBron. So if LeBron's listening to this or Michael's listening, yeah, you, you, we, his email will be down below. Um, <laughs> we did this. One thing that's helped you become a better basketball coach. Uh, support from others, um, especially my mentors. So uh, they really helped me out. All right. Best basketball game you've seen in person. One that I've coached actually. Um, Ireland versus Israel in the European Championships. Uh, Israel went on to finish second and they, uh, they didn't lose a game. Every game they won was 15 plus and we took them to the final shot of the game and we ended up losing by two. So that was the best game, man. Uh, your favorite quote? Uh, at the moment, it's adapt and thrive, especially because of the situation we're in. We got to adapt to the situation and then thrive. Um, otherwise, it's control the controllables. Ooh, I like that. Um, one word to describe your coaching style. Player focus. Okay, that's two words, but we'll, we'll, we'll let them have that. We won't say anything. <laughs> that's okay. I like that. Uh, uh, best basketball coach of all time. Phil Jackson. Okay, I would definitely. Um, I find that one harder than the basketball player one, to be honest with you. Maybe it's because I'm a coach. One book. You can only pick one book. What would you recommend? Atomic Habits, uh, James. Clear. Love Atomic Habits. Oh my God, you're like the third coach in the last couple of weeks. It's in 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 it's small changes. That's all it is. It's small changes. Yeah. If yeah. I can summarize the book, small changes, people. If you want to change your habits, if you want to That's get it. on the treadmill, move the treadmill where you see it every day. Don't leave it in the basement. It's this yeah. little micro changes. Um, uh, Perfect. Do you, uh, the other two questions is we've already answered. What would you tell your younger self and what would you change about your, the game? So coach, any parting words? I guess it would be just, uh, you know, thank you obviously for having me on. I appreciate well, this is it. Awesome. Uh, you know, uh, really enjoy the opportunity. Really appreciate it. So I, I, I enjoy this. Um, yeah, look, my details, you, you've got, you're going to attach them. If anybody yep, wants I will to put everything when, uh, so here's how it will work. So everyone that's listening knows this. I will put this on YouTube too. So if you're listening, um, so I just put it every, I basically put it everywhere. Um, and then I will put your stuff down below. Um, and if you, you know, if you don't live in Austria and you're 6'11 and you got a, a, a seven, two wingspan, give coach some contact. I'm sure he'll, he'd, he'd love to look into you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks. Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better 14 day free trial. As we talk, subscribe, like, Jump up and down. Do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.